What's up, everybody? This is Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. We've got a good one this evening. Wally Green. This guy's, this cat's got a crazy story, man. Went, grew up in Brooklyn in the projects, became a ping pong phenom, ended up on the U.S. team going out to all over playing the, in the U.S. international team. And I think he got, he has a crazy story about North Korea. So we're going to, we're going to talk to Wally here in just a minute. But before then, let's uh website yeah i got a new one i've been working on this for a whole bunch of times you keep hearing about it hearing about it hey the website's coming up website's coming up well guess it there it is right there the website's right there seandustin.com everything that i'm doing everything that i've done is going to be over there and at some point you can even book a guest spot right to that website there's a glitch in it right now that i'm trying to have pod page fixed but they haven't done it yet so seandustin.com check it out good stuff over there yeah i think that's it and subscribe and do all the other things you need to do so we'll be back in just a moment and we're going to talk to wally green about his crazy story Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up, Wally? Hey, what's going on, man? How's everything? Good, good, man. Good to see you. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you for having me. So where are you at right now? I'm in New York City. What part What part of the uh, New York? I've never been to New York, so... Oh, really? Yeah, never, ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the Upper West. Upper West? Okay, okay. You grew up in the Bronx, right? No, actually, Brooklyn. Brooklyn? Okay, Brooklyn. That's yeah. right. I knew I knew it started with a B. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was that like, man? You grew up in the projects. Yeah, yeah. I I grew up in Marlboro Projects, which is between Coney Island and Bensonhurst, mm-hmm. and I grew up, of course, you know, with a poor family. We used to get subsidized housing from the government. That's the projects is. Also, grew up with very narcissistic, abusive stepfather who used to beat up my mom. And and me as well, and and systematically break us down with verbal abuse. Yeah, man, that's fucking that's rough, brother. You know, I think that's that's pretty common though, man. Because I know my my dad was kind of like that, and there's a lot of of folks that I run across that have childhood trauma issues like that. Man, sucks. How did you how did you kind of how did you handle it? How did you deal with it? You know, oh you man, know? it was it. Was- it was crazy because, you know, a, a lot of times when, when your stepfather or even your parents, when they're kind of like, you know, saying stuff like, you should be dead, you know, you're going to be in jail, you'll never be successful, you know, everything you do, you'll be a failure. 
you know, most parents say this, they say it out of anger, but he said it, you know, in, in, in he wasn't always angry when he said it. A lot of times it was like, how was your day at school? Oh, it was okay. He goes, you know, you're going to be a failure, right? So he would try to drill this into your head so that you would believe this eventually. And the reason he did that was because he was a, he, he was illiterate. So my stepfather couldn't read, he couldn't write, but he was a master carpenter. And because he had this amazing skill, he was able to get by in life, right? Because he was the best of the best at what he did. But yeah, you know, as a kid, it was really hard. So I had to find outlets for it. One, it was I, I started in a gang very early age. By 13, I already owned six guns at 13. And the other half was sports. So I had a gang life and then I had sports. And what the gang life did, the gang life gave me a sense of, you know, what family might be. Right. When, when I was doing the, the, the gang stuff, that was my family. You know, those were the people who said, always said to me, oh, don't worry, we got your back. You know, we got your back, you know, and the sports is what numbed me to what was going on at home. Right. So, you know, you, go, you get up early in the morning, you go to school, you practice, you go through the, the whole school day. Then after school, you practice again. But that time you're completely exhausted. And you go home and, and, you know, you're kind of numb to what's going on. So I needed both those things in my life. So did all of your peers in the gang, did they sort of have similar lives at home as yourself or experience? Um, you know? Yeah, pretty much because everyone, we're all from the same projects. So I don't know anyone who was part of it that had like the good life. Yeah. Like, everybody was going through some crazy crazy stuff, whether it was with their parents or, or, or school or whatever. So in your sports outlets, what did you, like you found you, did you like, when did you find ping pong? When, when did that come into the picture? Was that somewhere, you know, you said 13, you'd owned 16 or six guns by then. Ping pong wasn't even a thing. Like I hated ping pong. Like (laughs) they had it in my school and I used to make fun of the kids playing because, you know, I, I played football as well. So when I would go through the lunchroom to go, we go through the lunchroom to the football field, I would see kids playing ping pong and I would make fun of these kids. And I'd be like, look at these kids with short shorts and a stick. <laughs> like, like I, I really used to make fun of kids playing ping pong. I was like, I was like, what kind of sport is this? Uh-huh. Sport. So I actually hated this sport in, in school. I mm-hmm. actually hated the sport. I, I, I never liked the sport, but it was the, the sport that actually, you know, saved my life. Yeah, yeah. So you were playing football. I did, is that was that what your was that your thing? Every sport. Every I, sport? I played every single sport that I could play because okay. the more sports I played, the less time I could spend at home. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Every Makes time sense. there was a sport that came up, I played it. If it was football, I was on the football team. I was on the basketball team. I was on the wrestling team. I was on the tennis team. I was on the volleyball team. Every sport that I could play that could numb the pain of the abuse that was going at home, I just joined yeah. every sport, every yeah, single yeah. thing. And it, yeah, and it wasn't no sense. ping pong team. It was just a bunch of kids playing ping pong in the lunchroom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't start seeing ping pong tables. I mean, I had a friend here and there that would have one at their house, but I mean, I didn't really start playing ping pong until I went to the boys' boys ranch and <laughs> got locked up. You know, they always had ping pong tables at the, you know, facilities and stuff. Um so at 17, you, you got introduced to ping pong by, by who, a mentor uh, or? 
No, no, no. So the way I got introduced to ping pong is, is really crazy. I was shooting pool, right? So it was during the break of sports and I started shooting pool. And I was at a pool hall and I got upset because I thought I was good at pool and I really wasn't. I got angry, took my pool stick, <laughs> hit it on the table. The pool stick shattered. And then I looked to my left and I saw kids playing ping pong. And, you know, I was a kid that had to blame everyone for what happened to me. So, so, so something happened to me, I blamed everyone. And the perfect person to blame was the kids playing ping pong, the sport that I really couldn't stand. So I go over to the kid and I says, hey, give me that paddle. I want to get a hit. And, and the kid said, you play this? And I was like, no, I don't play this. Just give me the paddle. <laughs> so the kid gives me the paddle, right? He's scared to death. And he hits the ball to me. And when I go to hit, I'm he hits the ball, I'm trying to hit him in the face with the ball. Like, this was the plan. He hits yeah. the ball to me. I hit him in the face with the ball. And that was the plan. But because I sucked at it, he hit the ball to me. I swing as hard as I can to hit him in the face with the ball. The ball hits the table. And then the kid goes, oh, my God. Wow, that was a great shot. That's amazing. He's like, man, you should go check out this ping pong club. And I was like, what do you mean ping pong club? He's like, yeah, man, there's like pros there. And I said, what do you mean? There's, there's, there's an actual place where people get together and play this? And there's no way that this is even in the slightest possible. There's no way. And and yeah, and, and, and that was like, you know, at that time, I, I was like, this is crazy. And I couldn't believe it. But you know, eventually the athlete in me was like, maybe there is a place where there's people really playing seriously, right? Yeah. So I go down to this place. I, I I go to this place and I walk in, right? And there's people shooting pool. It's a huge pool hall, but it's also half ping pong, right? So there's like maybe eight, nine tables there. And I see people, boom, boom, hitting balls, boom, bam, 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 hitting balls. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. And the craziest thing about it was, the people who were playing were black. And I was like, wait a minute, black people play this? Like, I thought I thought only Asians played ping pong. Yeah, so yeah. I, I was surprised. I was like, what the hell? Black people actually play this? And and that's that was when I first got interested in the sport. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know that ping pong was a thing until I saw Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then, like you said, and he was went to China, and then there was a bunch of Asian people playing. And I've seen Asian people actually play, and they hold their 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 paddles kind of weird. Oh, the penhole. Yeah, the they, yeah, it's crazy. Yes. But they don't hold it like that anymore. No, like most, like most, like most of the Asians now hold the paddle shake hand, which is like this. Mm -hmm. I just I just did a, a funny TikTok video about that about the different grips, mm -hmm. right? So so I call it the four. The only four grips, right? The first grip is shake hand, most commonly used in the world by everyone. The mm -hmm. second grip is the penhole, right? Most commonly used by the Asians, but all the most of the Asians now use shake hand. Mm -hmm. The third grip is C Miller grip, which is like this, right? And this was created by an American Olympian, Danny Similar, in the 1970s. And then the fourth one is called prison. So prison, prison. prison, I call it prison. And the prison grip is like this. And the reason why the prison oh, grip is yeah. like this is because they take the handle. You can't have the handle on when you're in prison because you can use it as a shank. Mm -hmm, Those mm -hmm. are the four different styles. Ah, okay, okay. That makes sense. And yes, I remember there were, although the prison I was in, they did have, they, they had the whole thing, but that was in the federal joint. So oh, yeah, federal, little... yeah fed, fed is fine. <laughs> There's a oh, little more lenient there. Um, 
All right, so you you get involved in this. So you learn this at this at this uh, pool hall. They tell you to go down there, and you you start seeing this, and you're like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" You see, yeah. probably you imagine the thing. The, the game is going pretty fast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And so, what what do you do? Do you go? You say, "I want to play this." You know. So do you, th- do you think that you're like, "Oh, I could do this shit." exactly that was the first thought the first thing was like i could do this you're crazy but what happened was nobody would play with me right because no one knew who i was and i wasn't good enough to play with them so no one would 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 play with me at all right and then um i met i met a guy well actually before i met a guy this old guy used to play with me he was like 70 and he used to smoke me all the time badly you know i'm a super (laughs) athlete i'm like how the hell am i using how am i losing to some guy who's like 70 years old so that made me want to play more because I was like, there's no way I'm a seasoned athlete. I'm losing to a 70 year old. But then eventually um, I met a guy randomly there who came in and the guy said, asked me, he goes, hey, do you have a partner? And I said, no. And he says, well, I'll pay you $20 to play with me. And I said, what? He's like, yeah, to be my hitting partner because he's from out of town. So every time he comes, he has a hitting partner to hit. And, you know, I wasn't bad, like, you know. I could hit forehands and, and, and stuff like that, right? So he would pay me $20 every time we would hit. And um, we used to talk a lot. You know, I became a little bit close with him, you know, spoke about the things that I was going through sometimes. And for him, it was all like a TV show, right? Because if you don't know anyone who's who's kind of lived that life, mm-hmm. then it is like a TV show, right? Like 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 there's no way to, to understand how, how a 13-year-old kid has guns. Mm-hmm. Right. But the reality of it is that it, it happens all the time. It's, it's nothing that's actually shocking. Right. Mm-hmm. So so that so that was kind of the start of the whole ping pong thing. OK, so how do you get good enough to end up on the on the international U.S. team? Well, so because that, that's got to be difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty crazy. So the same guy, one day I went to the club to go play with him and a 22 fell out of my bag in front of him. And he saw the 22 and he was looked at me. And then the first thing I said is, I got to go. Like, I, I didn't want to stay around. I don't know if he's going to call the police, you know. And so I just left. And I figured, oh, man, there goes my $20, right? You know, he's never <laughs> going to talk to me again. I mean, I wouldn't talk to me again if I came to play with myself and gunfire in my bag. So I figured there goes the money. That That's it. He calls me two days later. He says, hey, are we still playing? And I'm like, what? Okay. So I go meet him again and we start to play. He says, I want to invite you to my home. And I thought that was weird because why would you invite, you know, this kid who would gunfire of his bag to your home? And his home wasn't in like New York City. It was near Hunter Mountain, which was like two and a half hours away in the woods. Mm. Right, which is kind of just strange, but you know, yeah, I, I would be thinking something else. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and I was like, oh, you know, whatever. So, so I wind up going, and I meet his family, you know, and everyone's at the table, and they're all eating, you know, together and passing food together and doing what family does. And I think he was just trying to give me a sense of what real family was. And then he says, "Hey, I really want to help you." I'm going to pay for you to go to Germany to learn ping pong. And that's how I started. He, he, he paid for me to go to Germany. And that was the first time I ever left, you know, my, my circle. I went mm-hmm. to a totally different country. 
what was that like when you when you went to the house and you seen him sitting around and and having you know dinner like a family like you see on tv right yeah 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 what was that what was that like for you man what did it feel like it was weird it was i don't know if it made me angry or made me sad but it was really weird you know it was like what the hell like you know and then it made me think of why this guy's bringing me here even more like what he's trying like like the like first rubbing girl, in my face trying to rub yeah, shit in my face listen, that's what i thought it was like he had this huge house in the middle of nowhere you know he had a pool table that was like a ping pong table he had a game room and i was like what the hell is this dude trying to do right but you know eventually i i i you know i figured out you know he, he was actually trying to help so he saw some potential in you in in yeah. in the sport and wanted to help you go and hone it basically right go and in, in, in right well because he knew he he knew that all the stuff that I had been telling him you know seeing that 22 was the puzzle piece that the last puzzle piece and then he knew that I was I was either going to be dead wind up dead or in jail so he 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 had the means to help and yeah and and, and he did that's cool man not a lot of people. Not a lot of people get that opportunity. So kudos to that dude. Are you still in touch with him? You, do you talk to him today still? So I lost touch. I lost touch with him like many, like a, many years ago. There was a war in Israel, and and we lost the, the communication. And then the ping pong thing started really taking off for me. So I got busy just like traveling the whole world. And then eventually I forgot his name. It took me like it took me years. I can't remember his name. It took me years. And then during, uh, I, I was doing Steph Curry's podcast and in the middle of it, I was like, oh my God. And he goes, what? He goes, what? I said, I, I just remember the name of the guy because I've been trying to remember this name of this guy forever. And the name came and it came as Alex, but Alex wasn't the name. Yeah. Later on it came, it was Alec. And, and then okay. I, remember, I remembered his name, but yeah, we, we, we tried really hard to find him because we made this documentary some years ago. And we found the school. We found the teacher, that I, the, the the coach that I learned with, but they didn't. They don't keep the records that that long. So someone said he's an angel, and uh, maybe I should stop looking. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, they are out there. I heard that's crazy though. So, huh? Interesting. All right. So you you go to Germany. You're learning, right? And what what's it like in Germany? Obviously, you probably can't speak the language. No, but but I didn't have to because this school, everyone can speak English. Oh, okay. So is English um, in, in other countries is pretty much everybody can speak English? I mean, yeah. In, in most countries, everyone speaks English. The only problem is that they don't get to practice English, right? So in, 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 in the countries where they're not really speaking, they learn it in school. But mm-hmm. after school, they're going to hang out with their friends, with their parents. And at that point, they're not really speaking English. But in 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 in, in makes sense in this school, most people spoke English. And so, was it a it was it a school for just ping pong, or was it no, a no, school no. for education too? No, well, it was a sports school, mm-hmm. so there's more than one sport there. So it's not just ping pong. It's ping pong, okay. basketball. There's some martial arts. It's like different different sports, but the kids who are going to the school, they live there. Okay. And 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 their curriculum is mostly the sport. 
and then the education is, is second. So these are the future pro athletes the fu- and the future Olympians. So Nike does that, don't they? Like they do it for tennis. They do tennis, it. For- yeah, yeah, yeah. They have that in, in. I think it's in. I think it's in Florida. Yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. like a like a con- like a concubine of a bunch of different yeah. up and coming. You know what I mean? They're like investing in these future yes, yeah. stars. And, and the kids live there, right? So so they take you away from your parents, and they put you in in this school where where you're going to focus every single day is going to be training followed by a little bit of education. So what sports did you start out? Did you just did you just do ping pong or did you try to play ba- basketball, so, football? So my first sport was basketball. Okay. Basketball was my first sport. That that was a sport I was really good at. I was MVP three times, you know, and I was short, but I could mm-hmm. jump really high. I had crazy hops. I was so fast and I did something that no one else did. What? You know what that was? What? play defense Mm. so when i first started playing basketball i started in like you know all the catholic churches have their big leagues so Mm -hmm. i started there but i couldn't make the traveling team i was only making the house team right Mm -hmm. and and then when i made the traveling team finally i was riding the bench like i would Mm -hmm. ride the bench the whole game and then a coach would put me in at like one minute left (laughs) and i'd be tight tight. i'd be so tight yeah yeah and then, you know, I figured out, you know, what what can I do to make me stand out that, you know, I'm not a big three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really good at driving, posting. And I say, you know what? I'm going to start playing defense. So I started just playing defense. So so I actually asked the coach if we could do one-three-one zone. And that's where the, 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 the top guard follows the ball everywhere. He follows it from the top top of the key to the bottom of the key to the top of the key to the bottom of the key, and I would play the most insane defense, and that and that's how I started from playing defense. Mm. But then I stopped growing, and and the position that I was, you know, at that, at that time I started playing forward, small forward, and the position people were getting too big, and I was like, yeah, this is not going to work. <laughs> this is not going to work. So I I gave up that dream real quick. And then then you went into ping pong. Nope. Then nope. football, basketball, ping pong was the last sport that I ever played. Right. Okay. So I played, I played, I played football. Also was too small. Played running back. Was good in high school. Was good in you know, you know, f- for a young kid. But I didn't grow. So yeah, that, yeah. I played tennis. I didn't love it. I was good at it, but I didn't love it. Wrestling, I did love. Wrestling, I loved a lot. Like I was, oh my god. But then. One year, one of the one of my teammates got paralyzed, and then they, the mm. school just shut it down, and that was the end. Of he that. got paralyzed from wrestling. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so um, there's a move where where you grab the guy from the front mm-hmm. and you bring him back, but it's like a suplex, but it's not supposed to be a suplex. The, yeah. the, this move is well calculated. You're supposed to pick him up and place him down but what the guy mm-hmm. did was he literally suplexed my friend just brought him bam right on his head and he's ah. paralyzed from the neck down yeah like like oh, like for man. i think if i remember for like eight months and then eight months he came out of it but they say he can never play sports again yeah that's rough yeah so we're when 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 does this this trip to 
what is it north korea you ended up in north korea playing playing for the the (laughs) international team in the u.s i know you got a crazy story about being stuck there oh man or or sneaking out or some some crazy (laughs) shit so so the north korea thing was pretty crazy because what happened was the year before i was on a steve harvey show so i did a steve harvey show and that had me pumped up for the next year and i was like what crazy thing can I do this year? And and by this time, I already made a name for myself in the sport, playing for the U.S. team everywhere. You know, I was sort of like the Dennis Rodman of ping pong. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was the Dennis Rodman of ping pong. And the bad, I was like the bad boy of ping pong because ping pong was like this nice kind of quiet sport, like how tennis used to be back in the day, mm-hmm. right? That's what ping pong pretty much is. And, you know, I came out with the ghetto. Like, I would make a point. I'd be like, that's it, baby. Come on. I'd be talking. People were like, what's wrong with this guy? And, uh, <laughs> people thought I was, like, legit crazy. I, I can see that, man. Cool. You go to a you different know, country, man. You know, talking yeah, shit. You know, people were like, this guy's nuts. So, you know, I made a name for myself. And then I was trying to think, what cool thing, what big thing I can do this year? So I'm looking through all the tournaments for the whole year. I'm going through them, and I see China, Japan, Korea. I'm, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Germany, I'm going to do that one too. Brazil, I'm doing that. Yeah, all of that. Well, and, and, and then I see Pyongyang, and I'm like, what? Pyongyang? What do you mean by Pyong, Pyongyang? Wait, Pyongyang, Pyongyang? North, North Korea? And I was like, no way. Pyongyang. I got to go to North Korea. And, and you have to remember, Dennis Rodman actually had just came back from North Korea. During that time, I remember that. He, I was, he liked him. Kim Kim John liked him. Yo, listen, man. I, I tell you, I didn't get I, I didn't get the Kim Jong Un treatment. I, I didn't get to meet him. Yeah. I actually asked my guide. I was like, hey, you know, Dennis Rodman was here, you know, and he met the great leader. I said, I want to meet the great leader. She said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you have to be received. I said, received. <laughs> what do you mean received? So apparently I wasn't received, so I couldn't meet the great leader. Oh, no. What does yeah. received mean? I, I guess he has to ask for you. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that's interesting. So you go so you go to North Korea, right? You're there. You're playing ping pong. What what kind of trouble you get yourself into? So since, since, since we're going to talk about a little trouble, <laughs> I really talk about, I, 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 I'm going to tell you a little... Hold on one second. Let me bend down and get this. I can tell you a little story. So, um, I usually when I travel a lot, you know, I get into sometimes I get into a lot of trouble, you know, because I always I always want to see like how far I can push things, you know, just like just to learn what's going on, like you know, and and so I never met real brainwashed people in my life. We've all met a ton of ignorant people. But I don't think many people have met completely brainwashed people, right? And so I started this conversation with my guide. I I wanted to know, you know, what was the extent of the brainwashing in North Korea? So I tell my guide, I says, hey, you guys like me, but why you don't like foreigners, right? Now, I don't know if they like me or not. I'm just saying this because I don't want to, you know, it's very dangerous there. Like, you could get snatched up real quick and it's serious. So I, I don't want to I, I don't want to let them think that I'm trying to start anything. And then she goes, "No, we don't." She goes, "We don't hate foreigners. We don't want the Western influence in our country, right?" And I say, 
okay, but you know, every country in the world needs Western influence, right? If you want to get to the next level, especially the smaller countries, you take something from this country, take something from that country, and that's how you get ahead. And she said, that's not true. Everything in our country was done by our great leader. And our country is great and everything done by him. And I said, okay, but your great leader has Western influence, right? And she says, and she goes, that's that's not true, right? And I say, okay, so at the point of right now, this is like a bright yellow. So, so we're, in, we're in a bright yellow, right? Mm-hmm. Red being the most dangerous, but <laughs> we're in a bright yellow because now I'm, t- I'm telling her that your great leader has Western influence, you know, corrupting the minds, corrupting the minds of citizens in North Korea is punishable by 15 years hard labor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, so it's, it's, it's actually not, it's, it's not a joke. And so she goes, that is not true. Our great leader has no Western influence. And I say, he does have Western influence. I say, what about basketball? Basketball's Western. She goes, no, our great leader created basketball. Right? <laughs> oh my goodness! Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like, like, like how how can now if you had any common sense, the great leader was what twenty eight? How could he create basketball when he created it? When he's like nine, eight? Like it, it doesn't even make sense, right? But I wanted to get past that one and go to another one. Right, because now, because now I'm like, okay, this girl's lost, lost completely, lost her mind. Mm-hmm. So then I go, okay, I says to her, your great leader speaks English very well, right? And she goes, yes. I says, you know, your great leader studied outside of North Korea. She said, that's not true. I said, it is true. She said, no, it's not. <laughs> I said, and now at this point now, because. You know when you talk to people, right? And then they start to piss you off because it's just stupid, right? And now, <laughs> now I'm getting pissed off now. And, and 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 I'm forgetting the whole point of why I'm there, right? So I go to her. It is true. He studied in Switzerland. And she said, that is not true. I said, yes. I said, everyone in the world knows this. And I'm getting a little, I'm, I'm getting a little like, you know, edgy. And she goes, that is not true. I said, oh, my God, you know what? You're so right. Oh, man, you are so right. It's the Cuban president. I don't even know the fucking Cuban president. <laughs> but I had to say that because when she raised her voice, she could easily go to her superiors and, and tell them. And if she did that, like, I'm telling you, I would go to my hotel room, and that night, some people would come to get me, and I wouldn't be here talking to you. I'd probably yeah. still be there. <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and the funny thing about it is, it's no joke. It, that, it, it's crazy. It's crazy because these things are funny, but mm-hmm. these things will happen to you. Like you will be taken out of your hotel room, and people are not going to see you for a long time. So, what's the craziest place you've been in, like country wise? North know? Korea, by far. You know what? I tell people, especially in my posts, and, and I get people arguing with me all the time, right? Because everyone. Everyone thinks they know something without no experience. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, you know, in my post, I say, you know, I, I say, you know, I went to the number one most dangerous country in the world. I use number one on purpose. I don't have to say, I could say I went to the most dangerous country in the world. 
but there's a video, a viral video of me hugging a North Korean, right? And I said, I went to the number one most dangerous country in the world to hug a North Korean, right? And uh, people say, oh, it's not the most dangerous country in the world. There are other countries da- more dangerous than North than North Korea, right? But the thing is, the reason why it's the most dangerous country in the world is a couple of reasons. First, you have no Wi-Fi when you're there. So as soon as you get there, there's no Wi-Fi for you. There's no cell phone service for you. So immediately you're cut off from the rest of the world. That's it. Once you arrive there, you have no contact. There's no way for you to contact someone and say, hey, I'm here safe. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Now you're ready for the third one. Everyone associates danger with being kidnapped, being killed. Yeah, that's dangerous. But that, that's not the only dangerous thing. Though all those places, like someone says, oh, Syria is more dangerous. Oh, people get kidnapped. Then guess what? Get on a plane, get the hell out. Mm-hmm. Right? Now I'm going to tell you why North Korea is the most dangerous. The reason why is when they check into the hotel, they take your passports, right? So you don't even have a passport. You have no passport. So you have no Wi-Fi, no cell phone, no passport. How are you going to get out? You can't get out. You can't leave your hotel to go anywhere. You cannot, you cannot even walk across the street. There's nothing that you can do without your guide. And if something goes, let's say America had some beef with North Korea. Guess what? How are you going to get out? You ain't got no passport. Right, it's 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 no chance. That's what makes it the most dangerous country in the world. Well, glad you got out. Yeah. <laughs> so how how long ago was that that you uh, that you? Uh, did this that? was this was two thousand I think two thousand fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Okay. Yeah, two thousand fifteen. Shortly shortly after after Dennis Rodman came back. So what are you doing now? Were you able to turn that into? And and that success and popularity into uh, into some some career or anything that transpired yeah, yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I, I have a bunch of things going on. I have a film company, which I can't say the name yet. They're doing a movie on my life story, mm-hmm. feature film. So we've been talking for one year, and a month ago, we're moving. We decided we're going to move forward. So that you know, I'm co-founder of a company called Spin which is ping pong, a ping pong bar, nightclub, and restaurant, which is also co-founded by the actress Susan Sarandon. Oh, okay. So our clubs are pretty popular. You know, we have nine of them across the country. We have one new one coming. going to be the most incredible one in Times Square. So, yeah. Yeah, I've seen Susan. She was really involved in... Uh, who's that lawyer that got in trouble and she was doing some activism for him? Donzinger? Oh, I think that was one of her friends or someone she was. No, yeah, she yeah. was. She knows. <clears throat> yeah. So that's really cool, man. So you got that going on. That would be interesting to go. You know, I probably would play if I was a. I don't drink, but if I went to a bar, I, I, I would probably play ping pong if they had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, if you think about it, it's super fun, and it's also in in our setting. It's also the best first date place. Mm. It's the best first date. I tell I tell everyone, if you have a first date, is the first time you're going out with this girl and you're trying to do something, just come to my club, right? Because if you tell, you know, our club, it's not a gym, right? Mm. When you when you walk in it, you're like, oh shit, this, this, this is lit, <laughs> right? Because it's very elegant. The Times Square one's gonna be crazy. So when you bring a girl there, ping pong doesn't say anything about sex, says nothing about that. It, 
it's it's if you tell a girl, hey, let's go play some ping pong, have some drinks, eat some food, right? Mm-hmm. What girl's mm-hmm. gonna tell you, no, I'm not gonna do that? Every girl's gonna say, okay, let's go because it's harmless. But on a side note, there's a bar, a big mm-hmm. bar, and there's a lot of drinks there. So now you're playing ping pong, you're playing drinks. You know what I'm saying? Getting a little loose. Yeah, you're perfectly comfortable. <laughs> Getting comfortable. Just don't don't slam on her. No, 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 no. Listen. <laughs> I, I used to hate that, me. man. I used to hate that. That's the part of ping pong I didn't like because I couldn't slam like like people would slam on me, right? Right. And I, and, and I would try to do it, and I never. And, and I would always miss or hit the table or do something or hit my knuckles on the table. <laughs> I see, I see some guys come coming in there like like with girls, and some of them just be slamming on the girls like crazy, bro. And I'd be like, damn, bro, like 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 like. Are you trying to get some tonight or not? What are you doing? Are you warming up? I'm, I'm warmed up, man. But then when I when I see that, I'll take out my... I have like this old iPhone 6 that I play with, and I'll take out the phone, and then I'll play them in front of the girls and smoke them. And then they'll be embarrassed as hell. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Well, that's some good stuff right there. You know, it's always cool when you can you can turn something that you really enjoy doing into a business, hobby, whatever it is, and you'll you'll just like you'll love it that much more. Yeah, yeah. Like like I always tell people, I never feel like I I never feel like I'm working. Cool. Right? It's, it's 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 always fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Like you know, you you got out of the you got out of the projects. You still the stepdad still around, or did he take off? Or he died. <laughs> no. All right. You see, you still your mom still around? My mom no. passed away about maybe four four or five months ago. Okay, sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, but I didn't. I I I, I didn't have a relationship with her. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There there was a time where things got really really ugly and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it was, yeah, it was, it was a bad day. It, it could right. it could have been a worse day. I could have yeah, been yeah. in jail for life. But you know, I, I I was you know I used my head that time and listened to the thing that was talking to me on my shoulder, and I walked away. But yeah, well, that's a good thing, man. You got siblings, all step brothers and step sisters. I don't talk okay. to them. Okay, so it's just you out here, huh? Yeah, man. You you against the world. That that's how I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Only way to win. I, I know how you feel, man. I, I I feel the same way. It's me and my dog. Me and my dog. His <laughs> best friend. But listen, listen. Pe- people have the notion that you know you need to have all these millions of people around you. You know, I disagree with that, man. I I I think you know you have your solid core few people that that you really trust right and everyone's just cool right and 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 you know you focus on you you focus on making yourself better and and getting yourself to the next level mm-hmm. no no for sure i i've i've said this actually last week i was walking and talking and somebody was overhearing my conversation and they were like that's a quote that's the best quote i've heard this, this week so far but it was, you know, the more people that you have in your circle, right? The more people you have around you, the more of, of other people's bullshit you're going to have to deal with, right? right? 
their their baggage their drama their you know got this going on and if you know the closer you are with these people you know inevitably you get sucked into to, to their shit right yeah. and i i cause enough of my own shit in my own life right i don't i don't need the extra added you know of other people's stuff you know right, to pile right. on top of it so i keep my circle super small man i only got one friend right? <laughs> one friend and i've got a lot of acquaintances and you know work and, and this and that but i mean like people that i hung out hang out with and i can count on if i need something i can call this person just one person man right, right. and you know sometimes i'm like do i feel lonely because i don't have a whole bunch of friends like i used to because i used to have a shitload of friends man. Right? Yeah. you know, used to have people around all the time man i just couldn't you just couldn't shake them off right? Right, right, right right and then i went to prison and, and then everything changed <laughs> i didn't want nobody around me <laughs> no 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 i i feel you i also used to have always a lot of people around me a lot of friends you know around me as well but um now you know i kind of like it this way it's it's because i'm responsible for myself mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and that's and that's easy Right, being responsible for yourself is easy. Yep, yep. Yeah, until you get until you get to get kids and and get other yeah. things that you got to be responsible for, then it's like, oh shit, I can't like not go to work today. <laughs> 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 I got to make some money. I got to pay for them damn kids. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, man. Well, and Molly, it was great talking to you. Oh, you know what? Let, let's talk a little bit about the experience as your keynote at PodFest. Is it your first keynote that you've done? First keynote at PodFest that I've done. But you've but done I'm, keynote speeches before? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a TEDx speaker. Oh, shit. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I've done a TEDx. I've done a bunch of keynotes. But I do them in a, I don't know, I call it untraditional kind of way you know i don't know the name keynote i i, I don't know i i don't like that name i just think <laughs> i don't like it i just think i'm going to talk and <laughs> i didn't say you know my keynote whoa what is that no I, I gotta press that stupid button thing like i i never do the clicker, the clicker. Even, say, even in my tedx talk they were like yeah well you have to send us a, a, a powerpoint i say bro i'm a creator i don't use freaking powerpoint like i mean and it's like don't worry just send us the pictures we'll do it for you so i sent some pictures and they created this this PowerPoint thing, and I, and they said, oh, they sent it back to me. I said, what do you want me to do with that? And they said, oh, you're gonna use it during, during your talk. I said, during my talk and do what? They said you're gonna click. I said, I'm not clicking. I said, listen, I'm not clicking anything. And the last thing I want to do, you know. And it's funny because my TEDx was my first public speaking thing, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, the, the last holy thing shit, are you do, kidding me? Your first yeah. time public speaking yeah. was a TEDx. And do you know when it was? In April, so it's br- it's brand new. Yeah, and, and I was like, "There's no way I'm going to be clicking and trying to talk at the same time." So I said, <laughs> I, "I said I'm not clicking." I said, "You can give it to somebody; they can click however they want, but I'm not going to click." I said, "It's not happening." So, so they gave it to the the guy who was handling the the audio, and he clicked for me. Oh, that's funny. It was so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was funny. I can't um, believe your first public yeah, speaking engagement was a TEDx. Engine, yeah, yeah. And how did you how did you how did you land that? So I got asked three times to do TEDx, and I said no. The first two times I said no. So what happened was is I had a two page article in New York Times about me, two full insane pages like this. 
So mm-hmm. Tiger Woods page was about that big, like that, like about that size. My mm-hmm. page was boom and boom. Wow. For the next two big ones. And uh, in, I was interviewed for four days. It was a four day interview, really intense in location, just really crazy interview. And they put that. I gave talks to schools because I do, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I talk to schools about gun violence and stuff like that and gangs and, and stuff like that. And uh, my TEDx hadn't come out yet, but they put it in ahead of time because my TEDx came out after the, the time, after the New York times article. Mm-hmm. And they said that I also TEDx speaker. So mm-hmm. for some reason, you know, everyone, you know, they, look at the New York times and boom, I just started getting flooded with all kinds of speaking engagements. Like, wow. And the craziest one, I'll tell you the craziest one, the craziest one I ever got was the company called Wreck-It. I don't know if you know it. It's Mm-mm. conglomerate. They own like Mucinex, Dorex, Lysol. They own like 40. It's one of those bigger companies that own like 40 companies under them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they was like, yeah, we want you to come to speak at our summit. I was like, what? What do you mean? Just come, come, we'll speak. Speak what? <laughs> what, the, what the, right? And I was like, and and I, I was like, no, nah, this is crazy. And I didn't even know what the and, and it's like, what's your rate? Rate? I don't even know what the, I don't even know what the rate is for that. So I started googling stuff and I started trying to figure out like what, ten thousand. And listen, so so I saw that, but I quickly I was like, no, there's no way there's ten thousand. It's impossible. So I was like, these 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 prices are crazy. So <laughs> I found an article which shows you how much money you should ask for depending on your level and mm-hmm. how to ask. And it was very helpful. And so, but I was still nervous mm-hmm. and I didn't know, I said it. So I, I reached out to the person who wrote the article, right? And I reached out to her and said, hey, listen, I just saw your article, it's amazing. Can you please call me? <laughs> and, and she called me and she says, oh my God, I just read your New York Times article. And that was <laughs> crazy. And that person was Dory Clark. So Dory Clark is the top 50 businesswoman in the entire world. Oh, shit. Top 50 in the world. And this is what she does for a living. So she's telling me, she's, she's teaching me, you know, this is what you asked for. And I was like, she was like, you know, for this kind of job, it's 10K. I said, I said, what are you, crazy? I said, I'm not going to ask people to pay me 10K to speak for 40 minutes. I said, that, that doesn't even make sense. I was like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't pay myself 10K to speak 40 minutes. What? And she goes, if you don't ask them for 10K, they're going to think you're an amateur and they won't hire you anyway. And I was like, Ooh, really? I was like, all right. So I actually, I actually 10K got paid eight and, and I still killed it because she, she gave me a piece of information, which now makes me love to do public speaking. Now I love it. She said that people hire you for a reason. She said, people will hire you to speak. It's not that they know exactly who you are. They know your story. That's why they hire you to speak. They don't hire you to speak, to make stuff up, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason they hire you. And she, and she said, you know your story. You are always going to use your story for every speaking gig that you do. No matter what you do, you're going to use your story. And what you're going to do is that you're going to tailor your story to the theme of whatever they want you to speak about. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I could do that. I know I mean, I've told my story 50 million times. I, I know how to do that. And and that's what I did. I went to this, this this summit, spoke to some sales execs, and killed it. Mm. Killed it. Like, you know, I just took in I took into consideration what their themes were, 
how it related to my story. And all of this was on the fly. So I didn't plan. I, I didn't practice this, even with my TEDx talk. Like, I didn't practice it. And, yeah. and every time I speak, you know, I, I first spoke when it with the PodFest stuff. The first I spoke at PodFest NYC. And then someone came up to me who was part of New York Speakers Association. And she she told me, she goes, do you do this often? And I was like, no, I, I, I did my first text talk in April. And she said, wow, she said, you're so natural. And you have all the things that we try to teach people. You have them naturally. And I was like, oh, and I didn't think nothing of it. Then I did the podcast, the closing keynote speech. And I, listen, I had people crying. People were like, because I'm always paying attention to the people in the front. There's a mm-hmm. lot of people there. People were like in tears. And the lady came up to me from NSA, the National Speakers Association. And she said, man, she goes, you're just as good as the greats of speakers. This is what she told me. And, and, and I can see why. Because when I speak, I speak from my heart. And I speak what I'm passionate about. And I'm a really good storyteller. And I know how to make you feel what I've been, what I went through. I know how to put you in the same situation that I was. So when I'm giving these, these talks, people feel like they're me. They don't feel like they're watching me talk. I make them feel like they are me hearing these things that I was hearing or feeling these things that I was feeling. So the podcast one killed it also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now it's my new thing, man. I love public speaking. I, I love talking to kids. Kids is my most favorite thing. Like, you know, going yeah. in there and talking to these kids. You know, I love that too. Well, that's awesome, man. Good for you. And I'm, I'm glad to see that, that you're doing some good out there in the community as well, man. We always need that because uh, our most precious commodity are these kids, man. Yeah. And uh, that and and time. But, you know, without without the kids, man, and, and raising them right and... You know, it, it takes a village and that's true, man. I, I've got a, I've got a five-year-old and you know, they, they're little sponges, man. They suck up everything, all this information, you know what I mean? And it's like, Jesus, you got to really be careful what you're, you know, what, what you're letting them see. And, and, you know, that it's like a plant, you know, it's like, you got to water and fertilizing it and, you know, just making it grow and making, trying to hope that you don't screw it up. <laughs> you know yeah. that's the that's the most important thing and so yeah man it's good good that you're doing that and you know maybe when i get my nonprofit off the off the ground because i'm doing the same thing i mean if i if i if i get it to that point man i'll i'll definitely reach out to you for for something like that because i'm i'm trying to trying to get to the kids too man yeah yeah i, I think it's i think it's it's, it's real it, it's real important because a lot of these kids they don't really have have an outlet you know so so i i can deeply understand you know especially growing up in the project the only thing you know is the projects you know mom and dad is into some shit already and you don't know anything but that and 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 and, and you need people who's been you need people who's been through it to talk to them a lot of yeah. time they want to send these kids to the psychologist or or, or freaking psychiatric, whatever. You know, my mom tried to send me to a, a psychotherapist. The first mm-hmm. thing I told the psychotherapist, I says, have you ever seen a gun? He said, no. I said, you ever had a gun put to your head? He said, no. I said, why the, why the fuck am I here? That's mm-hmm. what I said. Why am I here? What are you going to possibly tell me from your 
notebook that you <laughs> learned about. Like, like you know, I don't mean to shit on those people, but in in real life, like for me, you know, what you learned in school to me is meaningless. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like, there's a guy that plays. I play another sport pro called paddle tennis, and this guy. He's a, 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 a psychologist, a soci- psychosociologist, and, and works with kids. And we argue all the time. I'm like, bro, listen, you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth. <laughs> Everything you learn, you learn from a book. Mm-hmm. You learn from a book. I say, what can you possibly tell me that makes any sense? I say, you didn't experience anything in your life. Everything is from this notebook, what they taught you in school. I said, it doesn't work like that, bro. If you don't have experience... In that lifestyle, you don't have experience with those people. You've never been part of it. There's no way that you can possibly help someone. But only thing you can do is give meaningless advice based off of what you learned in school. So those things make me crazy. So I always tell people, like, you know, if you've been through stuff and, and, and you know, now you're doing good in your life, you need to go back and you need to mm-hmm. help those kids because you're the only one they're going to listen to because they ain't going to listen to that guy. For sure. It works the same with with people that have incarcerated folks, right? Right. You know, people that have been to prison and, you know, you're no one's going to listen to to. And I I had the same experience, too, when I was going through that in a group home situation when I was younger. And same thing, you know, there were some folks there were some that were actually addicts and and I could relate to, you know, that have became counselors. But the ones that were the book studied ones. I was just like I, I was so I was so mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> just like dude, the same same thing that with you. I'm just like, what 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 what? <laughs> you can I, I don't know no. You know, and then and then and then you go back to your beautiful home with your picket fence, and you know I'm going back to the craziness, right? You, you, yeah, wa- you, you wash yeah. off the wash the ghetto off of you, right. and you go back to you because you were slumming it all day. Exactly. Try, trying to 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 help the the folks that need help. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but whatever. You know, we need those people too. Those people yeah, need need a place in the society as well. You know, and yep. and, and, and uh, just not at my table, but somebody there's a table for them somewhere. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, all right, man, Wally, I got to get going. It was yep. uh, good to have you on the show, brother. And. Uh, I love all the stuff that you're doing and I'm definitely want to check back in with you after you get these things up and going, these ping pong nightclubs, man. That that sounds like a super interesting thing. And since it's they're happening in up. New York, you know they're, that, right? they're already up? We have nine of them. You have nine of them? Nine. Nine. Nine, yeah. So and, is this something that you're hoping is going to catch on catch on from the West Coast and move or from the East Coast and move west? No, no. They're they're not all in New York. Right, so they're across the country. So, so Philly, Chicago, Seattle, San Francisco, Washington D.C. We have the New York one. We have oh, the shit. one coming in in Times Square soon. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're hey, email me, email me all of your like stuff so I can throw those in the links. You know what I mean? Like the 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 main email or the main website for those clubs. Okay. Yeah. I can throw that in there. So if anybody out there listening and you're interested in, in a ping pong nightclub, oh, yes. uh, that's a, they have one in San Francisco. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take I'm gonna take my girl there. Wait, are you in San Francisco? I'm close. Oh man, yeah. Yo, when you go there, before you go there, let let me know when you're going. 
so I can call and book the table for you. And oh, okay. It. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, you should let me know when you're going. Okay, for sure. No, I'll I'll do that, man. That that'll be interesting. It's definitely gonna be a good date with your girl. I'm telling you, <laughs> all right. It's gonna be fun, but don't let it be your ping pong because you're never gonna live it down. I'm telling you. All right, and everybody, if you want to catch Wally on Instagram, his Insta handle is at Wally Green NYC. That's at Wally W A L L Y Green G R E E N N Y C on Insta. Go and hit him up over there. All right, brother. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. All right, man. Later. See you. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.